Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Amazing stuff with Jay Gruden there. Uh, thank, big thanks to the former Washington head coach. Uh, and Logan, I think, I think we got the green light to have him back on again sometime in, in the summer or in the fall. So we'll definitely be picking his brain more. It's just so fun to talk to guys who've been it, who've done it at that level, like the way they think about football, the way they see football. It's just every time you have a conversation with him, with Ron, you know, with Kyle, Kyle Sean, any of those guys, like it just shows like that you're thinking about the game at like this, you know, like you're an ant in the grass and they're standing <laughs> down looking at you. You know what I mean? Like in terms of yeah. how they view the game. I'm, so. I mean, I'll, I I kind of reference this story, but I'll tell a quick story of of one of the interactions I had with Jay when I was just like, Oh God, the detail you think in is not remotely close to mine, but it was, there was a screen pass. I think it was like a Monday night game and Crowder was supposed like, he should have had a touchdown on the play. It wound up being like a loss of one. And I remember I was walking back from the press conference with, and it was late in the game, a close game. They lost. And I was walking back from the press conference to the locker room with Jay. And I was like, man, it looked like that screen was blocked up for Crowder. And he goes, man, if he takes three steps forward and then comes back for the ball instead of one, if he doesn't rush it and he sets yeah. up the DB, he's out. And I was like, yeah. oh, so those are the bar. And this was like my first or second year on the beat. So yeah. like understanding when I say Jay taught me a lot of football, it wasn't like he sat me down and was like, okay, son, here's the X's and here's the O's and like that stuff. Yeah. It was just those little side conversations that were really illustrative of the level of detail it takes to win at the NFL level. And I think that, you know, like we said when he was on, so I'm not, I'm not saying this behind his back, like I think at times he got really frustrated when guys couldn't necessarily pick up what he was putting yeah. down because it just comes so naturally to him. He really is like a football X's and O's savant kind of guy. Well, you know what's crazy is like, they, like I know the screen you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's called like a slammer or jailbreak screen. Mm -hmm. uh, slammer screen, jailbreak's different. But like the coaching point for the receiver catching the football is three steps up. And so I'm sure as a coach – that it's just absolutely like, – I remember that still to this day, and it's been like five years, right? Right. Well, and, and that's like, that's so why fact, he was so fond of a guy like you because yeah. you understood those finer points because I, I think it's also understanding that it's like the coaching point isn't there for your own – like so I can hear myself talk about it. Right. It is there um, – it, it is there so that you understand the bigger picture of the play. 
and that you right. understand that like in order for the timing of this larger piece in order for the left tackle and especially when it's Trent Williams to be able to get out there yeah. and get in front of you like if Trent yeah. needs three steps everyone else needs five so yeah, yeah. can you at least give the guy three it's like that bigger right. picture stuff or like you as a tight end understanding what the guard was doing inside and why the yeah. angle of your block mattered all that kind of stuff yeah and so, yeah, I'm sure that's really frustrating. But, yeah, that's – I mean, it's crazy. Like, if you ever have an opportunity to, like, sit in a meeting and just listen to the way they talk about football, it's like you feel like you're in, like, a physics class. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the – I remember my, my first year in the NFL, my first meeting, I sat down and, like, Kyle just started talking. And I was like, there's no possible way I can store all this information. It's just it's just so, so high level. But, yeah, it's a cool, it's cool that he took the time and, and hung out with us. Definitely. All right, so what we're going to do here for the rest of the podcast, our Thursday scouting reports continue in the NFC East. And last week we talked about the New York Giants, of course. If you want that, uh, you can just go back in the podcast feed because it's a podcast and it's on demand, and that's how it works. Uh, but Giants, we talked a lot about the draft class because that's basically what their offseason has been outside of the coaching right. change. For Dallas, it is the other side of the equation. They have some interesting draft picks. We'll get into them in a little bit, but it's it's not even what they brought in in free agency, Logan. I am, you know, I, I kind of look at what they lost in free agency and go, that might be the most significant thing. Yeah, I think, you know, like we talked about it off the air, kind of prepping for the show, like Amari, like losing Amari Cooper. And obviously they signed Michael Gallup back to a fairly large deal. It's not elite money. I think it's like six, five years, 65 million bucks, which is pretty good if that's going to be your number one receiver. But a guy, a lot of upside, right? But is he skilled enough to replace a guy like uh, Amari Cooper? And um, I don't know the answer to that. I think Amari Cooper's track record is much more established. It's much more laid out. It's much more something you can bet on and bank on. And especially when your quarterback's Dak Prescott and a guy whose career seems to ebb and flow with the talent around him, I think that that's just so important you know, to keep people around him. So the fact that they let him, and that, and that this is just bad business in my opinion. You look at the look at the the receiver market right now, and you traded Amari Cooper for a fifth round draft pick, and maybe that's what the market was for Amari Cooper. Right. But like that's such you, a great you're point. Seeing, you're seeing people mortgage entire franchises' futures on on receivers. You know what I'm saying? And and the fact that that is that's what you did is somewhat mind blowing. Now I don't think Amari Cooper is is, you know, Tyreek Hill or, you know, uh, the guy from Green Bay. What's his Devontae name? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. He's not that same level. Right. But if they're, if, if you're getting these these quarterback kind of deals for those receivers, it should be at least more than a fifth-round pick seems like you're just giving it's crazy. Away. Well, let me ask you this, because this is my thing with Amari Cooper. I watch Dallas, and I watch them when he plays, and I go, they're a way better football team. Like, yeah. they are a fantastic football team when he plays, and when he's out – it shows up like they miss him terribly. So yeah. if he's not Tyree kill, he's not Devontae Adams, but he's not a guy who's worth a fifth round pick. What is Amari Cooper? Because I, I, mean, I think th that's going to help define what Dallas is without him. Do you think he's the top 10 receiver? That's just real quick. I'd have to like kind of do the list, think but I, I, to yeah, me, yeah. like he's kind of in that maybe he's in like, like eight to 12 range, eight to 15, like yeah, somewhere in there. Right. Yeah. 15, eight, I'd say top 15 for sure. I think the thing with him is he's injured a lot. He's been injured mm -hmm. a lot. <clears throat> And when you watch him play, there's certain guys when you watch them and they're just, they move different. Like you watch Julio, you watch D, uh, DK Metcalf, right? You watch even Tyler Lockett. They, there's just like an elite twitch and elite quickness and elite explosive quality. Amari is a little bit more smooth when he runs. Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't have like this kind of sexy, you know, visual when you watch him run routes. He's an excellent route runner. That's one of my favorite things about him. I think he does a good job. I think his hands are okay. But I think, you know, like in terms of like, 
traits that's down on the list a little bit. So, but I think he helps you win football games ultimately, right? And I think um, I think for a top 15 receiver in this market, a guy that's a proven commodity. Now, in the injury history might be the big thing here. Yeah. But I, I do think you need to give him a, a longer look than than a fifth-round pick to leave, you know? And right. maybe you're trying to offload the contract, whatever. They, you need and they definitely space, were. Whatever. They definitely were. But yeah. I, I also don't think that, like, that contract is horrendous um, if yeah. he plays at the level that he can. Playing, of course, with the injury history is what we're talking about here. But, you know, we just got done talking with Jay about the – if you don't have Jamison Crowder, if you don't yeah. have – Jordan Reed, if you don't have that guy on third down, well, guess who was that guy for Dallas? Like, Amari Cooper's yeah. that guy because of his route running ability. He can create separation on time on anybody, any, you know, any yeah. down, especially on third down. And and that is an invaluable skill in the league. And that that's why I just, I never understood why he was kind of an afterthought down there, why it seemed like they were always ready to move on from him uh, last year. And, and then why they ultimately do for such a small price, uh, even with the contract that that he has, I just I didn't get that. But uh, at least it sounds like I'm not alone because you're with me on it. Well, I mean, it's it's I, I guess I understand it because the contract volume is so high. But also, I, I and like you said, maybe it's not that bad given the new wide receiver market. But and the injury history, maybe. But again, it just seems like bad process. You know, I'm I'm surprised that the market wasn't there for him. And I maybe that maybe you know that's something that I always kind of fall back on. If the NFL has a low value on him then we as fans should probably have a lower value on him. Just because he's a big name doesn't mean he's a good football player. Like, I like what he does, but is is it elevating the team? Like, that's the question, and a lot of teams probably said no, not for whatever, $20 million a year. So that's something to, like, I think keep in mind, too, about, you know, where like where his value actually is. But I think I think the more important thing here, the, and the reason we're talking about this in the context of their offseason, is how this affects Dak Prescott. Like, who right. becomes the number one wide receiver now? And I think is it... Is it Michael Gallup coming off of an ACL? Like, that seems a little bit foolish to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and ACL so, recovery, it, it takes a full year and then probably another three to four months after that to really feel like you're back to yourself. And so as you go into another year with Dak and, you know, he's got the big contract now and, and that limits your ability to make other moves and all that kind of stuff, like, that's – Gallup's got to be great for them. And obviously, C.D. Yeah. Lamb, I think they, they probably would look at right there – as their number one guy, but a lot of production has to be made up from tight ends and receivers here for them. But yeah, so anyway, so now the receiver room looks drastically different. Obviously, Dalton Schultz is back, kind of their tight end extraordinaire last year, at least came. And I and I have my questions about whether he's like a true top five, top 10 tight end in the NFL, because how much of, of his production was dictated by the fact that coverage was leaning towards Gallup, leaning towards Cooper. And then I think the other thing that you look at is you look at the offensive line. If we're just talking offensive side of the football, and now we can start talking about the draft class a little bit. You know, they draft Tyler Smith in the first round because they have they can't re-sign Lyle Collins, right? He's gone. And then they're uh, and so they're kind of scrambling to replace that piece. They draft a guy who I think has got tremendous upside in Tyler Smith. And you talk to any single coach in the NFL, and they were their eyes would light up, their voice would get all high and squeaky because he's a big athletic dude who measured off measured and tested off the charts, who's maybe the rawest prospect in the whole class who went in the first round. And so you bring him in and, and there's obviously going to be a pretty significant talent drop off with him in the lineup. And I think again, like Dak Prescott needs pieces around him. He's not like Tom Brady who's going to elevate, you know, anybody in, that you put in the receiver room, anybody you put in the tight end room, he's going to make the O-line look better. He's not that type of player. He's very good. He's not that type of player. So, you know, putting in a kind of a developmental piece on the offensive line, a guy that I think is going to be good, but a guy that probably needed to sit for at least six games. He's now your starting right guard. And then you have kind of, you, you lose your number one wide receiver. 
Ezekiel Elliott's not looking as good, and especially behind an offensive line that's not going to be playing as well because you got new pieces coming in there. Steele is the right tackle. He's the guy that was kind of been a career backup who played himself in a more time, but not an elite player by any stretch of the imagination. So again, how does that affect Dak? How does that affect Zeke? And, and all of a sudden, this offense, the questions start mounting up, and you kind of say to yourself, maybe this offense isn't going to be the best in the division like it was last year. All of a sudden, that mantle kind of passes to Philly, I think, when you look at this situation here. Yeah, I mean, I'll take Dak over Hurts, but I, you talk about the I'm other. I'm saying that, yeah. You talk about the other weapons that they have, and and the offensive line play. Like that's going to be a huge factor. Uh, offensive line play is, you know, can can ruin what still looks like. I mean, when you read it out loud, like if Gallup is healthy and Ceedee Lamb is healthy, and they still have Tony Pollard is it, to compliment Zeke, and Zeke's not what he was, but he's still, you know, he's not terrible. Um, and Dalton Schultz, like that sounds formidable at least until you get to the O line, and then you have all these massive questions. The thing that I still yeah. makes think makes them as dangerous as anybody in the division is defensively, like they got some dudes. And, you know, with Demarcus again, Lawrence and they've lost know, some pieces. Not to they, catch they you did. Off, but they did. They did. But they still have plenty of good players. I mean, to have Lawrence sure. and Parsons, like that sets the floor pretty high as long as you're healthy. Now, we were saying that about Washington's defense last year and then Young and Sweat get hurt and you're looking at the season that Washington had. So the depth becomes an issue when you start to lose some of those guys. And can, you know, Trayvon Diggs do what he did or do teams start to take advantage of him a little bit more because he is a gambler type of corner. And, you know, the numbers he put up last year seem like they might not be as sustainable when you dive in a little bit further. But, you know, that pass rush, I still think, is the most dangerous part of this Cowboys football team. And with Parsons and Lawrence still there, like, that's still a part of their football team. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think the biggest piece, like when they saw when that defense started playing really good football, it's when Randy Randy Gregory was in the lineup. That's and also his true. His pressure rate was insane, and that's why I got that big contract in uh, in um, Denver, right? And I think mm-hmm. like now m- missing that piece, they went out and tried to sign some guys, Deontay Fowler. They re-signed Armstrong, but nobody quite has that elite juice that Gregory has. Like when you watch Gregory, it just it jumps off the film, and he was hurt for a lot of last year. And you mentioned they still have Lawrence, but one of the things that made that group so effective is they had three guys all of a sudden that could win one-on-one ra- matchups, right? Parsons could rush from linebacker. He could rush from end. Gregory could run rush from inside. Lawrence could rush from inside. And now you don't have that same dynamic duo on the defensive line in terms of pass rushers that can make Micah Parsons play better. So does Micah Parsons now have to kind of be limited to like a third down pass rush specialist? Because I don't think that's where he's at his best. I think you need to get a guy. They signed Fowler, like I said, who is a guy who is a former first round draft pick, a guy who's never really lived up to the hype. He had that great 13 sack season when he was with uh, the Rams a couple years ago. But again, that's Aaron Donald inflation, in my opinion, 1000%, right? You're playing next to him. You're going to get a lot of cleanup pressures and sacks. Um, and so I think you're not going to get Randy Gregory type production from him. So all of a sudden now the back end, Stefan Diggs, those safeties, those, you know, uh, Keanu Neal's who's playing linebacker curse. Who's never really been a great coverage player in terms of zone coverage is great man to man player. But all of a sudden now they got to hold up a much, much longer in coverage against good football teams in the NFL. So I think that missing that piece is a big deal. And then not being able to find somebody to replace that, I think is also something that's really critical. So when looking at this offseason, and again, they go to the draft here. Let me let's, let me, let's see if I get this guy's name. They signed a guy who's very similar to Randy Gregory, in my opinion, from, uh, from I think, South Carolina. Uh, but again, a guy who's got some problems, got some legal history, some troubles. But in terms of twitch and burst and snap, 
maybe that's the guy you think takes the role. But again, you're relying on a guy who's got to develop into that role, develop into Randy Gregory to, to kind of flush out this pass rush. So I think, again, when I look at the defense, I say to myself, like, where are they actually in terms of, in terms of where compared to last year? And you mentioned Stephon Diggs. I think that's a fantastic point. Trayvon he gave Diggs. up the most Trayvon Diggs. Sorry. He gave up the most passing yards per completion attempt of any defensive back in the NFL. And so everyone's riding this 10 interception season, which is great. But again, that is a high variance statistic. That's going to come back down. So when that defense isn't giving you 10 turnovers, when he's not giving you 10 turnovers and instead he's right. giving up the most passing yards for any DB in the NFL, that looks drastically different. So I think that's something also, um, again, I think there's a big regression for that group because of who they lost and because of the level of the style of play they were at before. And I think you pair that with the offense and you say, like, what are we doing? And then we haven't even talked about the draft yet, which we can talk about now, unless you got something to say, Craig. Uh, no, I mean, there. I would say let's let's hit the draft real quick, and uh, then you know, Dallas fans can can start. Oh, we we said you were you were going to have a Twitter account by the time we recorded this. I d- I didn't do it because I was busy, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay, so we, we got to have a place for the Dallas fans that that find the podcast to go and be mad at you because you said their team's not as good. <laughs> so I, so right. the thing about their draft is I think, you know, Tyler Smith, Sam Williams, the defensive end. I'm sorry, he wasn't from Carolina. He's from Mississippi, Old Miss Rebels. Jalen Tolbert are their first three picks. I actually like Jalen Tolbert quite a bit, but he's he's not going to come in and, and he's got a little growing to do. Sam Williams, again, legal stuff, really twitched up, nice football player, probably a first-round value. But again, there's some stuff around him that make you wonder about his professionalism. We already talked about Tyler Smith and how he's like maybe the most athletic offensive lineman in the class, but a lot of got a lot of growing to do, right? So you say to yourself, obviously, like I feel like this mm-hmm. is kind of like a classic Jerry Jones draft, like high upside, like he's he's like an oil prospector, right? He's looking for these guys that are gonna hit big. And you look at Jalen Tolbert, six three, hundred and ninety pounds, big, fast, but he's also like a six year senior, fifth year senior, a little older, right? Took a long time to develop question marks there so again like the draft is kind of his this draft specifically like uh clark out of lsu the linebacker for example maybe one of the best linebackers in the class loved his tape but is also going to have like spinal fusion surgery and might miss the whole year you know what i mean will probably miss and might not play football again so like that's who you're taking in the fifth round uh mike uh waltatsko from uh, north dakota is one of my favorite offensive lineman prospects in the in the gla- in the class big fast athletic but he's a swing guy. He's got to grow into his body a little bit, right? So anybody in this group that's going to come in and be an immediate impact, like probably not. And so like if you look at Washington's draft kind of to counter, maybe not the sexiest names on that list necessarily, but everyone has a role and a, qu- and a quick path to the field and a guys that have outstanding pedigree, you know, captains, you know, five-year starters, all that kind of thing. And this is kind of the mm-hmm. antithesis of that, just totally different in terms of, guys in terms of experience, in terms of development. And I think that, again, adds to the level of uncertainty. Because let's say Tyler Smith figures it out in off-season conditioning or whatever and becomes the best guard in the NFL. Like, that's within the realm of possibility. Is it likely? Probably not. Because he has so much growing to do. Like, do I think he's going to be a good football player? Do I like him? Yes. But again, that's like a year away. That's a long time down the road. And so how is he helping you now, I guess, is my saying, is what I'm saying. Right. And it sounds like it's also a reflection of where these teams think they are because Washington knows they right. need to get some sturdiness underneath them. And Dallas, you know, probably feels like, hey, if we can get one or two more players, like we're, we're, we're going to win a championship. 
And what I think is interesting about the last 15 minutes of conversation is they right. might have been that at the end of last year, but some of the pieces they lost take away from that and, and replacing those guys might actually be the more important play. And uh, we'll see if the draft picks that they, they brought in uh, or some of the free agent guys they brought in are able to actually do that. All right. On Monday's show, Excellent. Uh, we'll have a Monday mailbag. Uh, we will dive into, I guess, another position group. Uh, that was fun. I think people really enjoyed that, the middle linebacker breakdown on Monday. So we'll pick a position group. Maybe tweet us uh, or tweet me at Craig Hoffman and uh, let us know Let us know which one you guys want us to do. And then uh, next week we'll break down Philly yeah, here also, on Thursday. And then, Logan, what else are we going to do? Running backs for the show. So why don't we just do running backs on Monday and then we can just kill two birds with one stone. There we go. <laughs> Bam. And then you can listen to the podcast and you can watch Logan on TV and you can get uh, lots yeah. of depth here and you can get some Everyone's pictures happy. there. Everyone's and you're a very happy, happy Washington Commanders fan, <laughs> which is all that we want. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast. Thanks again to Jay Gruden for coming on the show. And uh, we'll see you guys on Monday here on Take Command. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.